Quest, Episode 35, a sequel to The Fifth Element. Welcome to Sequel Quest, the podcast that dares to imagine sequels to your favorite films and movie franchises. Take a journey into the realm of cinematic possibilities with your hosts, Adam, Jeff, Justin, and Jeremy. Let the adventure begin now. Whether you're joining us from the top floor of Zorg Industries or the fabulous sandy beaches of Flusted! Paradise! You have hit Sequel Quest, and it's time to get into the action. I am one of your co-hosts, Adam, but we got three more amazing military specialists, aliens, and any other uh, life form in the galaxy with us here to bring the entertainment to you, to your ear holes. That is you. Oh, wow. So introduce Uh, yourselves, why don't you? Alien number one, please introduce yourself. Oh, yeah. Hey, I'm Justin. I'm an alien. (laughs) Alien number two. I guess I'm an alien as well, because my name is Jeff. That's not why. Because your name is Jeff? Well, I don't know. I I was lost with... I thought I had an option. And you, the blue creature in the corner. No, you could be anything. You could be like... You could be like a... You could be one of those... uh, I guess that's an alien. (laughs) Uh, The movie's full of aliens, so yeah, you're an alien. Because your name is Jeff. And I'm Jeremy... From Brooklyn. <laughs> Very <Alien>. nice. <laughs> and uh, in case you could guess, and I don't know why you necessarily would be able to guess. No, they would not guess. We now. are going to be talking about The Fifth Element. That's right. From 1997, a fantastic Bruce Willis, Luke Besson joint. And, or we uh, could be talking about aliens. Oh, terribly disappointed. that <laughs> These people, 30 seconds in. No, wait, you're not doing alien? Alien? Right? Alien cubed? Nope. Uh, we are taking that away. So many aliens films, Alien versus Predator. Let's just talk about Aliens. It's a great franchise. <laughs> oh, about the Fifth Element. I know we all have sequels about the Fifth Element. We're doing an Alien one. <laughs> oh, it's so entertaining. No, but the Fifth Element. This is a film, a sci-fi film that has kind of just this distinction. It sticks in everybody's memory, even though there was only ever one film. No spin-off materials. No like expanded universe, as far as I know. And frankly, on the DVD and the Blu-ray, not even a making of featurette. There is simply a a fax track that plays and pops <laughs> up pop-up video style throughout the film. That's it. That's the wow. special features. I don't know why they're keeping everything such a secret, but they are. Hey, but, wait, so Adam, have you watched the... Oh, yeah. The, I, okay, so what's like the craziest one? Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll give you some facts up top, okay? Okay. So number one... That the costumes in this movie are fantastic, right? Can we all agree? The costume was that design. a pop-up? Well, it popped up. The guy in charge of costume design. In in Adam's view, yes, it was a pop-up. That was it's a like, pop-up. Right. The costumes are amazing. Well, no, but the costumes were designed by the guy who designed Madonna's cone bra. Same guy. Nice. I believe you. Yes, absolutely. Also... You know, like all like the, the the New York City, all the layers of traffic, and you get all the crazy, uh, you know, the, when like the cabs driving through different yeah. parts of New York. 
all of that and most of like the spaceships, everything. Well, it's all CGI, isn't it? No, they were practical models and they just added on to it a little bit with CGI. And I was like, what? Like they actually just shot through models, like giant models, they called them. Yeah. Wow. So this is a very practical thing. I think you can see it. Like that's the part of the look of the movie is it doesn't look CGI E. Yeah. I think that's one of the nice things about it. And to be fair, it was in the early days of the CGI kind of revolution. Everybody yeah. was getting their footing. Yeah. So it's nice that they did not try and fail. It's crazy. Mila was 100% CGI. Like, <laughs> it continues to be. First one they day. nailed. <laughs> uh, the, the last thing I'll just drop on you is uh, the Mondashawans, who were the big duck waddling aliens, the good guy aliens from yeah. the beginning. They actually, those costumes took. 20 minutes to put on and three people had to help in assembling and putting the person inside. They could not see what was going on. So they had to have video monitors in there and they would overheat after 45 minutes and had to be brought out. So Jeff and I having worked at Disneyland, we know how that goes. (laughs) I spent one day playing the beast and I said, never again, I'm done. Get me out of here. Seriously. They let you do only one day. That was my entire rookie year. (laughs) Punk. But I will throw in, though, a couple other bitter. fifth element. Exactly. It's so true. <laughs> a couple other fifth element facts, too, is that uh, uh, one is the fact that um, Chris Tucker was not the first choice for Ruby Rod. The first choice, very apropos at this point, was Prince. I'll and Prince it. didn't like the costume, so he decided <laughs> not to do it. A fashion. I actually see that wow. as... Yeah, <laughs> being an issue. Rest in peace, Prince. Yeah. It's true. And then the other one too. And I remember. Well, this is, I guess, less of a fact, but I remember when it came out. Luke, um, uh, what's his name? Besson. Luke. Uh, oh shoot. No, Luke no, Perry. From, from Luke Perry. Luke Perry got way too much billing for this movie. Oh, Everyone, yeah. like, literally every time you saw a poster, it said Bruce Willis, like Chris Tucker. And Luke Perry. Like, Luke Perry was, like, he got title billing for this because he was Luke Perry. And it well, was five minutes. Yeah, but it, but that was the height yeah. of 90210. I mean, that was that was 97. That was just a couple years in, and uh, his star had not yet fallen. So, yeah, he had Buffy the Vampire Slayer in the fifth element, and then some cowboy, or uh, I, think, I think it was actually a, a bull riding movie of some sort, but... <laughs> That, that was, you know, I'm sure he pulled what? all the clout that he had. He's like, you, I get top billing of this thing. Me and Bruce. <laughs> I honestly didn't even notice him in this movie. What? Billy? The guy sketching the Mondeshawans <clears throat> and shooting them with German guns? Oh, okay, yeah. Oh, here's one. <laughs> here's one. I'm just, I'm just seeing this one for you, Adam, especially with your retro, uh, uh, et cetera, background. Is that remember the the one scene where they flamethrow all of the parasites out of the landing gear? Oh yeah, awesome. What they used were Boglins, which was a 1980s puppet toy, which is this oh. little ball that looked like a creepy like like yeah. monster sort of a creature. They okay. were awesome. I had a Boglin, absolutely. <laughs> there you go. My cousin had like twelve. And they made their big screen debut here. Oh, and they ruined them. They burned them. Yeah. Oh, melted boglins. Many, uh, but many... just they, when they burned them, they didn't really burn. They just sort of kept moving. Yeah. 
It's true. They wiggled. I thought they were just those but wiggly this was balls from the 90s. Do you, know, do you guys remember those that had the little pegs all over them, but you would turn them on and they'd vibrate and like roll around? That's what I thought they were, just covered in uh-huh. some type of rubber. Some sort of like Boglets. fur. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, on that so note. With this one, yeah, and I don't know if we're going to talk about our own personal journey with this film. I think we should. Uh, but I know this was definitely a one that in high school and beyond we watched this movie i think all of us watched this movie many many times and the one that always stuck out that for some reason for some reason our favorite scene if i recall was the scene where bruce willis gets gets held up at his front door by the guy wearing the hat that looks like the doorway (laughs) or looks like the hallway Yes, and yeah. we had a friend of ours. For those of us that th- those listeners that knew Majid Abu Hussein, and still does, he's he's still with us. But <laughs> um, he tended to be a, a little um, angry as a as a high schooler, and so his impression of that guy was 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 classic for for years because he insisted that the guy was a very angry man. So it was his impression. <laughs> you like it was very angry yeah that, that lived in in our own lore for for many a year yes for and a, you know, while, a fun yeah. fact about that guy because we just loved everything give me the cash you like it uh, like you know we just we love that guy we quoted him all the time it turns out again pop-up fact he was the director of gothica starring halle berry like he's a he's a film what? director that guy <laughs> he was he wasn't an actual like junkie that they hired to play a weird bugger like <laughs> i really thought yeah, they hired an actual good. junkie yeah <laughs> so yeah. Take it. this is a real junkie i don't need it yeah, I mean he's so he's this so good. This took eight days. <laughs> wow. Uh, but yes, um, I, I will just say about this film real quick is that every time I I watch it, in addition to that that mo- you know recounting that over and over again uh, in in our high school days uh, my brother he was always my gateway to sci-fi my older brother like he gave me doctor who novels when i was in junior high like from the 70s like tom baker era doctor who stuff like he showed me 2001 a space odyssey when i was 10 and i fell asleep during like the acid trip thing like so he when this movie came around he was always t- <laughs> yeah he was like you we got to go see this fifth element movie i was like all right I'm on board. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, this is like, for me, I felt like this is kind of like my star Wars. Like, this is like, I felt like it was the beginning of something. I, it was a universe that was so dense and so full of like fantastic characters that seemingly had a backstory somewhere that we were going to hear about, you know, (laughs) and never did. And so like, I, I just, I felt, I felt excited by the film and then let down that we never got more out of it, which is what makes it perfect for, for our show. Because as opposed to saying that it's our Star Wars, because Star Wars, like we're kind of prime territory for Star Wars as, as it is. Um, but even more so, like I feel like this is our Blade Runner where Blade Runner was a really dark and broody movie, but it was one of those where it was just like, yeah, you were just thrust in the middle of this world and mm-hmm. this universe, and that's why Blade Runner became such a huge big deal. And yeah, the same thing like you were saying, Adam, where it's just everything about this world, like it's dirty and it's it's grimy, and it's but yeah, it's very engaging and deep, and you know, all the different characters have their own thing, and, and uh, yeah, it really works on a lot of levels, I think. 
Well, and I always say kudos to the casting director because every every extra, every everybody is like so distinct. You don't even have to like know their character names. You're like, oh, the hawk nose general guy. Oh, pockmark doctor guy. You know, <laughs> like you, you just kind of reach out. You just you think of them and, it, and you're like, oh, I know exactly who you're talking about. No worries there. You know, deaf, deaf, uh, famous pop star guy, you know, Ray, whatever his face was, you know, like. Just like everybody, you could like really identify without too much, you know, difficulty. Um, but I, they actually said that uh, Luke Besson, the director, went to a bunch of like modeling shows and things like that, also to like pull like the very attractive extras, as you notice, like working oh, the course. McDonald's, the McDonald's drive-through window for the cops, and you know, Zorg's, uh, Zorg's secretary, obviously models. You know, kind of hard to miss. Uh, Plava Laguna, I believe, was also a model. Um, but uh, so no, Jack- actually, she's. I'm pretty sure she's an opera singer. Oh, an actual opera singer. Oh, okay. Because, yeah, because I remember that was the one thing. And another friend of ours, Eric Zercher, who absolutely adores this film and always has, he got the soundtrack to it. And I, I, I don't remember this specifically, but I seem to remember him saying from the soundtrack, is that the entire song that she sings, she is actually singing it. Wow. And the entire thing is done completely without digital effects or any kind of like vocal whatever. And if you really listen to it, like I, I cannot believe that that's actually a human voice. There's some parts that she does that just sounds like it's a computer. And so supposedly that was actually her. I mean, she only has one line anyway. So. Practical effects, practical singing. This film is amazing. For those who don't know the, the actual story, Jeremy, why don't you fill them in with our IMDb plot summary? All right. We had to go international with this one from Rio de Janeiro. I don't speak Portuguese, so we're going to translate <laughs> this into English. In the 23rd century, the universe is threatened by evil. The only hope for mankind is the fifth element, who comes to Earth every 5,000 years to protect the humans with four stones of the four elements— Fire, water, earth, and air. A Mondeshawen spacecraft is bringing the fifth element back to Earth, but is destroyed by the evil Mangalores. However, a team of scientists use the DNA of the remains of the fifth element to rebuild the perfect being called Lilo. 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 I will need that for my pitch later. <laughs> she escapes from the laboratory and stumbles upon the taxi driver and former elite commando major Corbin Dallas, who helps her escape from the police. Lilu tells him that she must meet Father Vito Cornelius to accomplish her mission. Meanwhile, the evil uses the greedy and cruel Jean-Baptiste Emmanuel Zorg and a team of mercenary Mangalores to retrieve the stones and avoid the protection of Lilu. But the skilled Corbin Dallas has fallen in love with Lilu and decides to help her to retrieve the stones. The end. The end. Can I just ask everybody, who who was your favorite character, aside from those of us who would choose the mugger in this film? Like, who, who did you enjoy most <laughs> in your in your most recent watching? Chris Tucker, easily. <laughs> oh. And why, Justin? What do you love about Chris Tucker? Because he's nuts, man. It's just like, kills me is that in most movies, you introduce a character halfway through or later than halfway through. And I don't know about you you guys but for me if that happens i'm usually like what why who is this person and why do i care i did not have that thought because he came on and instantly it was this like you you couldn't take your eyes off him and it was this just insane amount of energy just thrown at you 
And it worked. It was such a great level to everything else that had gone because everything else was so serious and crazy and wild, but very intense and very serious. And he was just this. Yeah, knowing uh, what we uh, know now. Uh, great I think, balance. Yeah, we, we could be thankful it was not Prince because I'm sure Prince would have taken 100% seriously. It would not yeah. have been that sure. much fun. Are we green? Yeah. How green? Well, it would have been, yeah, it would have definitely been different. But that's the other thing, too, is that like Chris Tucker, I mean, before this, Chris Tucker had done Friday and Friday kind of put him on the map, but this is what catapulted him to stardom. I'm like, after this, he did Rush Hour, and after this, he was everywhere. And yeah, it was just like, he, and he, like, no one expected because Friday wasn't such a huge movie that everybody had seen it. So they were kind of like, who is this guy again? And yeah, he was, he stole the show. But for me, though, something about, especially like you said, Adam, I mean, obviously from the first time I saw it, Chris Tucker stole the show. But then now in subsequent watchers, I feel like Ian Holmes performance as, as as the priest Vito Cornelius there's just something about it's almost like he brings the heavy uh where it's just kind of like he plays it as serious as he plays you know what he does and it just I don't know it just it adds so much to, to yeah to, to make it not just a, a ridiculous over the top sort of a film I think yeah you're right he, he, does, he does kind of bring a grounding nature to it where he's like you know he does have to do a lot of exposition but but he's very you know entertaining and and you you know kind of respect his performance throughout you're like okay he keeps my interest and i you know I, i'm enjoying watching him good all right we're good to go um i don't know for me like i i, I always look at like i think you, you look at mia jovovich and you're like okay she's not really doing much you know she's just a pretty face or whatever she is but honestly in this movie she does a great job like she plays like, you know, kind of yeah. like childlike, you know, in, in the early stages. And then she has to play like vulnerable and innocent, but then she has to also kick butt, you know, like she's, she's so, she has so many different uh, comedic moments as well that are fun. Cause and so I, I, I feel like she deserves our, you know, our applause, you know, just for, for grabbing a hold of every moment she's given and not just wasting a big oh well i'm just here and i'm in this outfit and i have orange hair so you know look at me like so and i don't know and even like just her moment in the cab you know when corbin's making that decision do i turn her over to the police please help you know you're just like you know you feel for her in that moment so i don't know good good job mia Oh, well, yeah. well, she Jovovich, did have to say. learn a whole nother language oh, yeah. for that. I forgot about that. Yeah, the director created a real language, told her to memorize it, and she literally had to be fluent in that language for the part, and they spoke to each other in that language. Yeah, they just have conversations <laughs> on set. Yeah, and then they got married seven months later. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and divorced two years after that. Well, but, <laughs> we'll see that language didn't last long. Did not help. The language of love is what they should have been learning. Okay, Jeremy, what about you? Uh, <laughs> probably just Corbin, just because he's the grounding point yeah. on this whole crazy ride. And Bruce Willis is, is pretty much always great. He's always Bruce Willis, but that's what we love. Yeah. Yeah. And this was yeah. his 30th film at this point. Can you believe Gosh. this is film number 30 in Bruce Willis's career? And no wonder he just wow. plays this old guy that's just like, I'm too old for this. Yeah. Like, okay. 
But is it Am the I gonna do this? And uh, can we just, since we've talked about the entire <laughs> cast, just give a shout out to Gary Oldman because oh, he was amazing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he was. I, I didn't fully realize that was him. <laughs> Jeremy's used there to Commissioner go. Gordon. That's how amazing he yeah. was. Yeah, but he's that his southern accent is pretty over the top. But he's uh, he's such a good bad guy. Like, and he's just he's so, so many not. things about this movie are over the top. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah, That's, exactly. That, they play exactly, it and even his too. limp. Like his limp is just so much. There's so much character. And, yeah, but at yeah, the same time, the, I mean, the scene where he ugh. chokes on the cherry is 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 awesome. Yeah, yeah. His limp actually changed legs multiple times throughout oh, the really? film. Yeah, oh, I did not catch that. There, there's cool one scene where he's walking and it hits every time on his right leg. You huh. can hear the metallic limp, and then there's so a, that's that was the sound designer's a, a fault. Up thing about that where uh, that was on purpose <laughs> yeah Someone actually asked him to change legs every few <laughs> scenes. all right well we've spent enough time just kind of bsing about this movie let's get down to business yeah baby um jeff you want to start us off sure uh, mine would take place five years later and um corbin and lilu are still together not married because that's weird uh if they got married but uh they're just hanging out or whatever i see them living on like a commune of some sort it would have to be something kind of weird and futuristic e so like a commune of uh, i don't know like space hippies free spirits something not quite that level of commune i was thinking again like a weirdo i don't i'm not creative enough to come up with something weird <laughs> where people would get live together because they're all i don't know something so, but anyway, I see them kind of living on something like that where that they can just kind of, you know, disappear and do whatever they do. Um, meanwhile, uh, Ruby Rod is now running for president. And um, <laughs> his main competition ends up being, we find out as the audience, that whoever the main competition is actually an alien in disguise as a human. And he's part of this cult that the cult wants to... Um, uh, I don't know, bring about the end of the world through some ancient prophecy and there's something along, I don't know, that would kind of need to be flushed out a little bit like that. Uh, but anyway, uh, as part of um, the devious plan is to become president, the thing standing in the way is Ruby, who's also running. So uh, they hatch a plan to kidnap Ruby. So Ruby uh, ends up getting kidnapped, which then um, the, you know, government, secret service, special military, whatever force that used to uh, recruit Corbin. Um, they figure, yeah, again, the only person for the job is the only person who is qualified in all of these various forms of transport and machinery, and that's Corbin Dallas. So they go to find Corbin uh, living on the commune. Uh, Lilu now, uh, you know, has gained enough knowledge about human, human culture that she's not, you know, that kind of naive or whatever she was in the first one like childlike sort of a thing like that but now it's gone the exact opposite way she now has so much information that she is like completely um unstreetwise where it's just like 100 percent all like factual information but she doesn't understand like the basic tenets of how to interact with humans and how to you know, just the things that books can't teach you which on the other hand corbin is the exact opposite where he has very little kind of like textbook knowledge as far as you know culture and you know 
intellectual pursuits, but he's got lots of street smarts. So that kind of creates a little bit of a banter going back and forth about the way that they interact and the way that they you know, deal with situations and stuff like that. So anyway, uh, the government people find Corbin and say, you know, you've got to go and save Ruby because he's been kidnapped. Uh, so Corbin then begins investigating, and so he kind of investigates uh, uh, the situation and finds out the different clues and stuff like that. Lilu goes with him but has absolutely no interest in any of that uh, because she sees this as an inch, as an as a opportunity to... Um, uh, you know, stretch her, literally stretch her muscles again. So every time that he starts investigating or questioning people, she just ends up beating them all up. So that kind of creates a little bit more of a problem where he's got to try and question people before Lilu can beat them up. Um, and then that kind of goes back and forth. Um, eventually the trail leads them to this like ancient temple, probably on a foreign planet somewhere with a lot of weird, I don't know. I picture it like a jungly temples for some reason are usually in the jungle, I guess. So they're in a jungle and then they have to kind of finagle their way through. There's gotta be some sort of a final challenge. Nothing as cheesy as five elements again, but something where they have to figure it out and probably combine between Corbin and Lilu to figure it out in order to save Ruby, and um, they do. The end. Yay! Ruby is the MacGuffin. Ruby saves right. the next fifth element. <laughs> no, that's good though. That yeah. So, President Ruby. But I guess that's what you did not tell us though, Jeff. Does does Ruby win the election? Ruby gets the. Yes. Well, we don't even vote? get there. I mean, that would be my guess, but we don't get there. Though the one thing I would I would say that you would have to do, and I would want to do anyway, is um, have lots of um, like scenes of Ruby and his captors oh, like, yeah. driving them crazy because he is Ruby Rod, and so that gives Chris Tucker a chance to be Chris Tucker still. Jeff's nameless pitch. We got it. All right, Justin, give us a give us a pitch. Awesome. Uh, so I had a few ideas. Uh, one was I just wanted like a Ruby Rod spinoff, kind of like a, <laughs> you know, just a, uh, a half hour comedy series about Ruby Rod doing his radio show. <laughs> I think that'd be pretty awesome. Um, I also uh, thought about like a series of Lilu's origin story. Um, but then I just wrote a movie about Lilu's origin story oh. and I called it Lilu. Um, so Lilu is a late teens girl living in a mining planet with her parents and fiance opens on grandma telling her a story of a great evil that will be unleashed on their world and take everything that they love. So she must cherish her family and friends because they can disappear in an instant in the story. There is one who must sacrifice themselves in order to save the ones they love and, uh, vanquish the evil from their planet. Uh, so the company that has financial control of the mining planet, led by the charismatic leader Poe, are warned by the miners uh, to only dig so far into the planet and only take what resources are needed. However, Poe orders the miners to keep digging, and they find a glowing red mineral that kills the first miner that strikes it. When the leader takes a tour of the facility to see the new mineral, he is trapped inside when the mine collapses, only to emerge as a powerful, flaming being bent on destroying everything. Lilu loses her family and her fiancé, but in a war with the now-possessed Poe, and with nothing to lose, Lilu leads the rest of the planet in a war against the evil that has emerged from the planet itself. In the end, Lilu learns that she must sacrifice herself to Poe, 
so that she can banish him from their planet, turning him and her into solid stone. Oh, okay. Adam, why don't you uh yeah. why don't you go before me? I've got a pitch this week. Oh, hey, Jeremy's Jeremy's bringing it in. And I, you know, as usual, I have my my two pages, my page and a half, but I'm actually just going to give you the uh the greatest hits of my pitch here, which I have called understandably the sixth element. So, uh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so basically at this point Corbin and Lilu it's a few years later, and they're pregnant with a baby. Uh, Lilu's about to give birth, and there's a, a prophecy associated with it that uh, Father Cornelius gives them that this baby is going to bring peace to the galaxy. But Corbin is now, he flies those uh, intergalactic spaceships to get people to floss to paradise. He's happy with their life. They're not really looking for any more adventure. But uh, just as they get the prophecy, Lilu goes into labor. So there's a crazy ride, you know, through all the traffic to get her to the hospital on time. You know, you get that again. And as as they reach the hospital, we shoot out into space and we see the military actually saved a fragment of Lilu's bone because they want to clone her to create super soldiers. So when they do their first test... There is a clone that is born that names itself Lulu. So we have Lilu, and then we have Lulu. Okay, so Lulu, as innocent but being a warrior, instantly kills all the the you know the medical staff that that brought her to life. And uh, just you know, Lulu has purple hair instead of orange, and red eyes instead of blue. But it's otherwise Lulu's twin, definitely uh, played Perfect. by the same actress. Yeah, evil twin. And so what happens is Lulu is born at the exact same moment as Corbin and Lilu's baby, who's a daughter that they name Sri Ran. They call her Sri for short. And uh, basically what happens is as soon as the baby's born and the clone is born, one of Lilu's irises in her eye turns red. So now what happens is Lulu can see through her eye and sees the baby and is very confused because she doesn't know anything about the world. She doesn't know what's happening. And she is now like she's kind of got this strange vision that pops into her head that turns out it's put there by Mr. Shadow, who we thought was destroyed, this evil of the galaxy. And he creates this vision that shows that the child is actually going to grow up and destroy the world, which puts this fear and this hate into Lulu and so she becomes very vicious and Mr. Shadow tells her basically you are the sixth element you must destroy this child to save the universe but really what he wants is a vessel that he could go into and be reborn so what happens is Lulu takes a ship and she's flying out in space she gets captured by some Mangalore pirates she defeats their captain becomes their leader so now she's got an army behind herself and in the meantime as they get closer and closer to earth because she's in pursuit of the baby as they get closer to earth it causes uh, Lilu to feel weak and then she falls into a coma everybody's worried they notice the red eye but they don't know what it means and then uh, there's a bunch of shenanigans they take Lilu to the hospital and the baby's obviously there with them and a Mangalore shapeshifter squeezes down into baby size and they switch the baby so Lulu takes you know Sri Rod to the, the temple from the end of the last film to do her ceremony there and meanwhile they go home with the baby <laughs> Mangalore shapeshifter so there's a bunch of hijinks of you know Father Cornelius 
Ruby Rod shows up with a bunch of age-inappropriate gifts for the baby and is very awkward around. You know, doesn't know how to handle children. And, of course. Uh, and Corbin's of course. a new dad, so he doesn't know what's going on. So all the weird stuff, the baby's very hungry, the baby's very angry, the baby's very stinky. They just chalk it up to inexperience, you know? And uh, finally what happens is we find out that Lilu can also see through the red eye and see what's going on with Lulu. And and as Lulu passes in front of this reflection pool with the baby at one point, Lilu sees it, sees her baby crying, and it wakes her up out of the coma. So there's a big escape from the hospital scene. And at the same moment that Lilu's escaping from the hospital, the Mangalore uh, shapeshifter can't keep it together anymore and turns from the baby into the giant dog alien. There's a big fight in Lilu and Corbin's house, and it ends with Lilu crashing through their window and killing the Mangalore and tells everybody, get in. You know, so <laughs> that's my weird Lilu voice. And they all get in this, uh, this <laughs> ship <laughs> and they they fly out to the temple. And when they get there, the ceremony's kind of already in in uh, in progress. They have to fight off a bunch of the Mangalore army people. Lilu gets through and has a battle with Lulu and tells Ruby to go save the baby. But when Ruby kind of interrupts the ceremony, the evil jumps into him instead. So he turns from Ruby Rod into Black Star Sapphire, becomes this ridiculous evil alien overlord creature, and is now attacking his friends, injures Corbin, disintegrates Father Cornelius, and everybody's just like heartbroken and... Every, you know, what? they they basically are losing, you know, any any hope uh, that things could get better. And just as that's kind of happening, everybody's giving up. Then uh, we see that the baby, Sri Ron, starts to, she starts to giggle. And everybody's like, what's happening? And she just gets super cute, starts glowing, this golden glow. And everybody looks at her. And they just like, it warms their hearts. Everybody starts believing again that they can stop what's going on. She glides into Ruby's arms and, and removes, you know, cleanses the evil out of him. And he turns back into himself. And, but the evil jumps into Lulu now and is starting to take her over. And we see that she was being affected by the baby as well and realizing that she was wrong. And she... Uh, basically, Mr. Shadow is trying to take her over. We see that she's scared. Lilu and the baby are trying to comfort her. And then just as uh, just as she's about to be overtaken completely, she sees the real vision of what uh, Sri Ron, the baby, is going to accomplish to bring peace to the universe. And she gains this power, this hope that is the, the actual sixth element. And it blasts you know, Mr. Shadow into pieces again, but it takes Lulu with... With uh, with him, and so from there we find out that yes, the sixth element was hope, and now they will go forward. And uh, basically, uh, we the family takes a nativity pose against the starry space sky <laughs> as credits roll. <laughs> oh no! They're very big into symbolism in these films. Come on, a little bit, a little bit. There you go, the sixth element, ladies and gentlemen. Any questions? Amazing, amazing. <laughs> Anything right. that ends in nativity. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> All right, Jeremy, hit us. So then, oh, go ahead, oh. Jeff. So, I was, so it sounds like so then the sixth element is hope, or the sixth element is 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 that what we're well, landing so, on? Well, so so the the other part is that it, it, the idea was supposed to be that we thought the sixth element was Lulu, and that it was hate or fear. And we thought that that's what was being referenced to, but then at the end, it, w- it would be revealed that it was actually hope is what they were speaking nice. about. Yeah. Okay. So that's the okay. idea. 
It's a little cheesy because we haven't touched on the fact that let's let's be honest. The end of the first one was like the cheesiest thing I may have ever seen. Right. That the fifth element is love. Tell yes. her that you love her. Come on now. <laughs> yeah. So I like it. Cheese. Yeah, uh, that, I had to I keep it in keeping with the universe. Right. That's how lay, they operate. Lay on the cheese. <laughs> All right, I <laughs> have got a pitch here. Okay, this is titled The Return of the Fifth Element. Fifty years removed from the events of the Fifth Element, we join the story of Wayne, a young man in his mid to late 20s in New York City, freshly removed from military service due to losing his arm and part of his leg in a mission gone wrong and as the lone survivor protecting a quadrant of space. He's been fixed with an advanced cybernetic prosthetic that feels almost like the real thing, almost like he's whole again, but still trying to find his way as a civilian. To clarify, the DNA rejuvenation chamber they used on Lilu was decommissioned and destroyed following the last movie so that no one could duplicate and corrupt another version of Lilu. I ixnade your whole movie there, Adam. We are introduced to Wayne telling this background story to his companion that evening, a gorgeous redhead by the name of Lola. As they wander through his home, located back on the ground where the fog used to have hold, he begins to tell an interesting tale of the death of his ancestor, an adventurer of sorts. We cut to a flashback scene in 1965, an establishing shot zooming out from black to seeing a shot of his back. We never see his face or the front of the grizzled old ancestor in leather-clad get-up and hat. He speaks to his colleague through whose eyes we are watching. Nothing shocks me anymore. I'm a... Abruptly, everything transitions to this man's first-person view. A creature steps out from the wooded shadows into the light, and the creature steps right up into the face of the man, breathing heavily, fogging the view briefly. Unbelievable, exclaimed the unshown colleague from off-camera. Many in his day thought of this beast as a myth, the elusive and mythical Bigfoot. The ancestor extended what he held in his hand, showing a crystal skull. <laughs> Hold on, it gets way what better. Happened? <laughs> it lit <laughs> It lit up and began to glow, and that's when the beast lashed out at him. It knocked the skull out of his hand and began beating on him incessantly. We see the view getting blurrier and smaller as the darkness closes in. Before total blackness sets in, we see the blurred form of the beast pull out a weapon, and it means to vaporize the ancestor. Bright lights come on behind the creature and a futuristic engine revs up. The camera angle changes as the beast pulls out the weapon to the third-person view of the colleague who's now far behind the ancestor. As the beast is vaporizing him, the view changes to shaky cam, running away from there. With a quick glimpse back to see if he's being followed, a quick look down to see the skull in hand, and another glimpse back to see the craft flying off, we return back to the present day in 2318 as he wraps up the story by opening up a false wall in his house to show off the Crystal Skull. Returned to his predecessors shortly after the incident, and it's been passed down through his family since that night. He explains that his ancestor had been ridiculed and tormented by being under a government cover-up of the incident, unable to tell the world that he'd saved the Earth by using it on an alien race in the 50s, and that the general public for the following centuries, and even up until that day, believed the Crystal Skulls were worth nothing. This because they never knew how to use them. He laughs and closes the wall, joking it off as though they were ghost tales they'd been taught as children and forced to pass on through the family. They head down out to the balcony for dinner, taking in the fresh air. His lady friend Lola, remarking on the clean air down there and giving background on how wonderful it was that they found a way to clean up the fog, practically bragging about her own mother's work in doing so. 
We get some exposition on what's happened in the last 50 years that have passed. Turns out that this gal is the granddaughter of Lee Lu. Lee Lu and Dallas settled down under false identities, trying to lay low, while the government began performing research on Lee Lu and her unique DNA to try to find a way to cleanse and fix the earth. None of their attempts worked very well, or for very long, until Lee Lu's own daughter, Lucille, began working with them at age 18, cracking the code on genetically modifying animals and plants that would clear the fog. Here's my pitch for Adam. Turns out, genetically modified cows flatulating on farms neutralized the fog and began the healing process on the earth. <laughs> oh my goodness. A little sandworm humor there. As she worked on this, she grew close and married a colleague, a fellow soldier and scientist, and produced this wonder of an offspring that we have today in Lola. While they chat, Lola keeps glancing back towards the wall where lies the skull. Something about it is calling to her. She's drawn to it. Maybe that's why she was drawn to Wayne. Almost like a similar energy is emanating from both of them. Suddenly, a shadow blocks out the fading sunlight. They look up, and Wayne remarks under his breath, No, it can't be. Crap! It's them. Smaller ships come off the larger ship and begin tearing up the city above them in the distance. He can't quite believe it, but yet he believes it down to his core. It's the ship that he's seen in his nightmares. They've come back. At that moment, his phone rings. It's a classified number. The authoritative voice on the other line grabs all of his panicked attention. Lieutenant Jones, your Earth needs you. Some banter back and forth happens between them over the phone, Wayne saying he's no longer active duty due to his injuries, and the voice refuting him, stating, it isn't about that. The voice states that through the generations since his ancestors' untimely death, the government kept track of who in the lineage kept possession of the skull. This was why they recruited him originally and why the Earth needs him now. The stories passed down through his family gave the clues to the secret of the skull and where to find how to use it to protect the world from these specific invaders. He jumps up from the table, grabs Lola by the hand, and rushes back into the house. He reopens the wall, throws the skull in the backpack, and they rush to his vehicle. Lola questions where they are going in such a rush, and his response is to find the instructions. They head out on a futuristic archaeology adventure to find the key to using the skulls. Hijinks ensue. They make a couple stops before heading to his ancestor's grave to unlock the code. And turns out, Lola is the key to unlocking the full potential of the skulls. Her alien race were the ones who placed the skulls here in the event that they were needed as weapons long, long ago. Her people tried to wipe out the big-footed beast after it killed Wayne's ancestor, hence so many UFO reportings in rural areas in the decades that followed the incident. The Bigfoot beasts were placed here originally by her people as protectors of the skulls, preventing the lower life form humans from using them until the humans developed beyond the big-footed creature's learning capacity. Then most of the skulls were collected and removed from the earth, and the beasts killed off by Lola's people. They unlocked the power, and boom, saved the day. Now that is a sequel quest deep cut mashup, people. <laughs> that is... Yeah. You better go back to the archives and catch up with everything else. That was pretty wild. <laughs> that was... Woo! It was a much Indiana. better Indiana Jones movie than That's that awesome. Crystal Skulls thing. <laughs> yeah, future indie. Yeah, Descendants. Hi. Justin, do you feel justified now? Crystal Skulls were used for something of worth? Nope. It's <laughs> still a terrible movie. I, yeah. I've still never watched that movie. Wow. So. Not Jeremy's movie. The Crystal Skull movie. Oh, yeah. So, um, so, yeah. so my vote is totally for uh, Lulu. <laughs> if we can get rid of aggro Chris Tucker, I'm down for Adam's movie. Well, we can just throw in that Chris Tucker running Hands for down. president. Really, yeah. I like I like the evil Mila thing. I just think that's a really cool concept. I like that. 
Yeah, I, 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 it just seemed to me like, I don't know, it seemed like sort of like obvious or cliche, but then at the same time, like just so perfect, you know, it's just like. Let that, yeah. And yeah. like the thing that it ends in hope, like, yeah, because the last one ended in love. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Exactly. Uh, right. And then it's, yeah, again, because for me, when you first said the sixth element, I kind of groaned because I'm like, oh, yeah. no, you can't. <laughs> but then, like, if you're going to do it, you got to do it. You yeah. Know? And so I like it. Yeah. Well, it's a pretty easy decision. Like I said, I don't know. So now the one thing, though, the one thing, though, and that's where I feel like especially with some of the rest of ours is is the conflict, like bringing Mr. Shadow back in again. Yeah. Uh, eh, I mean, I, I got what you were saying with the whole hate thing, but I know like, like, you know, Jeremy's whole thing is there's definitely a lot of, of conflict. There's a lot of, you know, intrigue and this is why this needs to happen. Mm -hmm. So that would be my only thought is that we could, we could spice that up a little bit. Give, give Lulu, um, uh, yeah, or, or or maybe like yeah, some reason for Lulu and Lilu to come into conflict because that's there's that's got to be the climax is the two of them fighting each other. Right, of course, yeah, yeah, totally. What? I think you can actually just do away with Mister Shadow altogether and have Lulu be the. <laughs> well, yeah. That name is great. Just uh, just the polar yeah, Lulu, opposite. Uh, if she can yeah. just she can be the evil, like she's the bad guy, but she thinks she's doing justice or whatever, you know. Yeah, so just misguided because she was born into this world without understanding and no one to guide her. She does. Yeah. She should not exist. It's therefore, you know, there's yep. just an evil. There's something wrong in her coding. So yeah, yeah. I, I I could see that. Where now the and then yeah, the only thing is okay. So does you know do Corb does do Corbin and Lilu have a baby? Is that necessary? That we keep that in there? Like, is are we still saying there's all these prophecies about bringing peace, but Lulu misunderstands? I think that the baby can be, like, the end can be that the baby inspires hope. But uh -huh. I think that, like, there's something that Lulu has that makes her unstoppable mm -hmm. that the baby takes away from her so that Lulu can fight her and destroy her. Yeah, okay. I could see that. I was kind of thinking too that with the whole almost like misleading thing, where it's kind of like it's it's so ridiculous to that you you almost buy into it that the fifth element would give birth to the sixth element, and it's just kind of like it's so cheesy, but it's just like when that turns out not to be the case, like if that's and then even to have yeah, where there's like the baby and the clone and uh, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, no, the the, um, the other I the other I, I way like good... I sort of came about it at one point I, I took it out, but was that just that Lulu is jealous of the baby and when she's rejected by the parents that she thinks should be hers, that that is what kind of drives her insane sort of thing. And then maybe she just gets mm. a question that becomes, okay, well, what? why does she want to destroy the world then? But maybe it's just that I don't have a place here and I don't want anybody else to have a place here. Again, she's just misguided and maybe she gets either the Mangalores or some other type of alien race on her side. Like they see her power. Like Jeff is saying, she has something that she can, you know, do, and they say, ah, we'll use her, you know, to get revenge on this planet or whatever it is they want. 
Right. Well, what if? Because I know, like in yours, Adam, didn't you? You you had them. They were cloning. They were they. You know, they've had an extra piece of her DNA. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's why they were cloning to make another one to make a super soldier, and it was the government. What if instead of like? Because that's the other thing too. Is the the Mangalores were like you know thugs. Right. They and that was kind of the whole thing in in the fifth element was that they were thugs that were then thinking for themselves and then they just caused trouble or whatever. <laughs> so like, what if instead of making the government, the maybe not necessarily the bad guy, but the one that creates them, what if they like Mangalores go back to the planet where they first crashed, uh, the, the Mon and they get the DNA and they sell it to another alien that has this, you know, inf- oh, like you bad motive for for doing it. Mm-hmm. So now you've already got like them being her being raised bad. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, that mm-hmm. definitely works. Again, you just you have the new bad guy that takes advantage of this technology of this situation that they've realized yeah no i think i think that works out pretty well because again yeah like you say bringing back mr shadow i knew it was kind of uninventive mr shadow gets killed again it's kind of less exciting yeah. so yeah I, I would agree you just have a new alien race or alien conqueror that wants you know their they want access to to these super soldiers or whatever it is and they're the uh, uh, Gary Oldman's relations. They have, they have to be some Zorgs. <laughs> I thought about Zorg. that. Is like, could we could we come up with some way that Zorg has somehow survived? But I, I don't think so. I think, but to replace yeah, him no, and to get somebody ev- like e- to get an equally good because there's plenty of actors out there. The sad one is the number number two one after Gary Oldman that I would love to see. I mean. We're not getting into casting yet. Mm-hmm. I'd love to see Alan Rickman. He would be such a perfect bad guy to follow, but obviously that can't happen. And it now. would be a great um, showdown. But yeah, you get somebody yeah. with that gravitas versus Bruce Willis again, which would be great. <laughs> Had we been able to make that happen. So okay, well, I mean, what, should we get into casting then? I mean, I'm just trying to think. Like, pretty much everybody's coming back. Um, right, so yeah, but do we have the so plot? Uh, I'm a little nervous. Do we have the plot down? Well, I, I think I think the plot is that we have this new whoever this new bad guy is get you know hires the Mangalores to steal the chamber and, and get the the bone. Well, I'm sure the they DNA. could probably make another one, or yeah. he's made his own, what and it, it yeah. doesn't fully right for what purpose? Right, it's what? probably not as good a version of the rejuvenation chamber. Mm-hmm. And when he rejuvenates her, it corrupts the DNA of sorts. Yeah. Well, if you want, it, it could be a uh, it could be a descendant of the Luke Perry character from the first film who started a, a, a cult <laughs> totally. that was anti well, Mashaud. Ancient, <laughs> ancient. Or Aziz. Yeah. Well, but, no. But why yeah, is Aziz. the bad guy? Why is the <laughs> Aziz of the Warriors of Light? <laughs> yes. Why is the bad guy cloning her though? Well, I, I think the idea is just that the bad guy is, is a yeah is aware of the fifth the power of the fifth element and maybe is misunderstanding you know the the ancient texts and is saying oh well if you know if I could clone my own fifth element that I could ha- I could have the power to rule the universe and I mean it doesn't have to be like a real super deep reason it's just like here's this person that wants okay. absolute power for the through the universe and sees that so that's, as the gateway. Okay, so the conflict is the 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 sixth element. Okay, right. and then and then ultimately everything that's happening. But yeah, and then 
I think what it, sh- you know, if if the resolution is hope, then that person's actions, you know, throughout the film also need to somehow, you know, again, taking away hope and belief in the future from people. So maybe there is like a very large destruction. Maybe Tiny Lister comes back and as the president, he gets killed and, you know, father uh, Cordelius gets killed. Like I said, you know, so there's like important people are dying and people are disappointed. I don't know. Something like that. Cause it just seems like it needs to be maybe a little bit more widespread for there to be kind of the, the redemption at the end, unless it's just mm. Lulu being redeemed and the bad guy dies. Right. Well, we could do, we could do it where some like the bad guy, the big bad guy is um, like a, another businessman. And this is the one that, takes over zorg's empire because now zorg is dead and so he buys him out and he's even worse and you know then yeah that that would make because the same thing with zorg where zorg was definitely taking away people's you know hope and everything by firing you know millions of people and stuff like that okay yeah i mean that could be something i I don't know like the the, uh the businessman angle Again, if we really, if we want to move away from it or we want to return to it, because like you say, if it's just if they were trading Mr. Shadow for just another Zorg, then you know what I'm saying? And Zorg wasn't even really the big bad. It seems like this guy needs to be more yeah. formidable to begin with, but just needed that extra, that extra, you know, playing card. He needed that extra, you know, mm. power in the game to accomplish what he's trying to accomplish. And it could just be that you could he go has for been like a, a Galactus type, like <laughs> world eater, maybe big bad guy. Well, I was gonna say it's it's too Green Lantern. I was gonna say maybe he feeds on despair and lost, you know, lost. <laughs> well, that's sure. Yeah. That's more or less where we're heading with this. So. Yeah, kind of sounds. I that guess, way. but then again, we're back to Mister Shadow again. <laughs> oh, Mister Shadow. All right, so other alien race then. Yeah, what's their chance? Oh, what if it's. What if it's the whole the blue the blue people? We we actually get to meet the blue people, and it turns out they're all jerks. <laughs> Plava Laguna was the only good one. Yeah, yeah. That's why she was such a novelty. Everyone's like, "Ooh, this one's nice." And this then, blue person is nice. <laughs> well, maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's revenge for the death of Plava Laguna, and her family is there you is go. powerful and invading. Yeah. <laughs> And they want oh, and that's what it is. Is they wanted they wanted to clone Pava Laguna and bring her back, but they it didn't work. And then they found out about the fifth element because they knew you know from her involvement. And then they said, oh, we'll clone our own, and then we'll get our revenge because we can't bring her back, but we can avenge her. <laughs> I think I'm feeling like Tony Stark at the moment. We may not mm. be able to save the Earth, but anyway, so that'll be good. <laughs> We may not have been able to save Plava Laguna. We can avenge her. It's good. It's good. It's good. And the bad guy, if we're on the Avengers kick right now, who better to play a bad guy? Come on. Can we bring him back? Loki himself? Tom Hiddleston? Tom Hiddleston. We love him. Oh, Tom Hiddleston. I miss him. I miss him. You're going to say Frank Stallone. No. No. (laughs) You guessed it. Frank Stallone. No. But I feel like we haven't seen Tom Hiddleston in forever. Could we please get him back on screen and not a Thor movie? So... (laughs) Well, he's doing those commercials. Wait, he just did like three movies. Yeah, he's in a he's, movie that's out right now. Yeah, oh. he's been in a lot of movies. Well, good. I need to see more dramatic films. Yeah, I guess. just not superhero movies. Yeah, <laughs> it's all I know. It's all I know. What about for casting for uh, Baby, Lilu and Corbin's Baby? I'm pretty sure that would be the Gerber Baby. 
yeah. foundation. Well, We'd find a baby. Yeah, a baby. Are there any celebrities that just had a baby? No, celebrities don't put I'm their sure babies in the <laughs> No, no, no. It'll be a random baby we find. It's because celebrities adopt Generic babies? Generic baby that, right? that knows right. how to it's cry on command. pop-ups, we can say, like, this is so-and-so's celebrity baby. Yeah, that, that's the whole, that'll be the whole purpose. <laughs> so there's one thing you care about in the pop-ups. <laughs> uh, but no, but otherwise, I mean, yeah, so but, but for the big bad, that's what we're looking for. Are, do you, are you guys with me with Tom Hiddleston, or do you want someone different? Do you want a different take? On, no, I mean, they're going to be in blue makeup anyway. I want older and gravitaser. <laughs> More gravitas. Hiddleston's too physically What about uh, Charles Dance? Huh? Do you guys know who Charles Dance is? No. From Hell Game it's... of Thrones, he was the dad Lannister. Ooh. Ooh. And he's foreboding. He is and... not good. Yeah, he's he all is. kinds of evil. He's a bad man. He's a bad. Oh, he's guy. gonna. He's in Ghostbusters apparently. Oh, really? But but should they just be misguided? <laughs> yeah. Because they're 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 fueled by revenge, but they're not an evil race. Well, maybe they are. In Jeff's opinion, turns out they're all evil. There was only one good one. They are so quick to right. turn evil to avenge. Yeah, there we go. I can't picture him. I could so not picture him as one of the blue people. Well, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, yeah, that would be interesting. But may- maybe the the blue guys are different than the blue women. You know, maybe they have a, a different. That's tint, true. They have a different body type. Maybe they're pink. Yeah. Well, not only that though, because the, the part that cracks me up is this: because when you think about it, like the way that they built her costume is that she had that like cone on top of her head, so it made her even taller. Charles Dance is six foot three, so you put that thing on top of him, he's gonna be like seven feet tall, and that's gonna be Yowza. Yeah. <laughs> What I mean, the, I guess that was the thing, is that she was supposed to be so tall in the movie, so... Well, how about instead of instead of the, you know, the long hair tentacle type things, what if the guys just have a big snout? Kind of an elephant-type snout. Kind of like the little alien no, in Zorg's no. office. No, no, You're no, never no, going to no. take anyone seriously with Red a big off. snout. <laughs> oh... Well, they gotta have some crazy feature. What do we want to give them? Do they just have a hole in the middle I of their head? I think Justin's right. What if they're Giant tentacle ears. dreadlocks? Well, that but that, then don't they become the characters from what was it Battlefield Earth, the John Travolta <laughs> film? Is that they, they were all dreadlocks? No, because those were literally dreadlocks. Oh, uh, okay. No, make it instead that the the blue tentacles, but they're tentacles like hair tentacle looking things do they move you know so it's kind of more like davy jones from uh from the the pirates movie but without the suckers in his face (laughs) (laughs) about giant pinky toes (laughs) they they all have a shuffle because of their giant pinky toes i'm sure we can figure this all out in post (laughs) that's right that's right okay yeah that's yeah well okay well i think that's now you know, and we're sticking with the sixth element. We like that as a title. Yeah. We need well, we it. need a we need a Lulu though. Oh but no no Lulu's play. Don't she's, we? She's a clone. She's a twin. Yeah, she plays herself. Yeah, she's playing both characters. Oh Mia really? Oh. Jovovich. Okay. Yeah. Well, because because that was the thing too, and that was the thing too. Like even with Justin's with Justin's uh, pitch is the fact that. From the way I understood it in the movie is that they cloned her from like a piece of genetic material. So it was like she didn't look like that previously. Right. They just used the DNA to create a being. Mm-hmm. So you could use the DNA in a different way and create somebody that looked entirely different. 
She I didn't see. have to look like that. But isn't the that fun... That was just how the machine made Isn't that the fun that there's an evil-looking Lilu? Like, that... I, I think that's yeah. what the okay. fun is. I mean, I, I didn't know if you were doing well, a different... Because my original concept, do, so too, that... is that it would be a man. It would be a man version of her. And that would be, like, an interesting... But I was like, no, 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 evil Lilu. Also played by Mila Jovovich. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh, Mila oh. Jovovich can do it. We believe. We believe. Okay. There we have it. The sixth element. Luke Besson back to direct, of course. I mean, soundtrack-wise, again, it was mostly... I mean, it had a lot of interesting techno of the era. So I don't know if there's an equivalent now. I think you got it because the 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 sound was so much a part of of it, uh, creating the atmosphere Mm -hmm, and the environment. So you got to do something similar. Well, it's, it seems like Daft Punk is kind of like the first idea because it is such a great job with Tron. Yeah, they could modernize that soundtrack, but a they're not bit. so yeah. much pop music. I mean, exactly, yeah, they're a the different style. Yeah. Well, who did who did the original? Well, but I think the original was like a, a mixture of, of actual techno and like you know orchestral you know score stuff. So so I, I think I think it was existing. Yeah, I mean, if we're, if we're trying to get like a specific viewpoint musically, I'm trying to think of somebody right now that that really kind of stands out on their own, that that is not just like a that, that as a as like a songwriter, as a musician, not necessarily as a performer. You know what I'm saying? Like you're not getting Katy Perry in there to do it, nah. you know, necessarily. <laughs> Did they have? I mean, I guess they had a she couple make little a cameo, weirdo though. songs. It does actually seem like a perfect movie for Katy Perry, though. <laughs> like, she seems like she would want to at least have a cameo. Well, she did that alien song. Maybe that's maybe that's the basis. Is it? <laughs> maybe maybe she... Katy Perry plays Lulu. <laughs> <laughs> hey, she can do it. She already looks like Zoe Deschanel, so she might as well just, you know. How is that connected at all? <laughs> that's not. We're, we're talking Mila Djokovic. <laughs> I know, but I'm just saying she looks like an actress, so maybe she could, she'll confuse people. <laughs> I don't know there where I'm going go. with this. Okay, the she guy like cosplaying as Tony like Stark does not equal but, Tony know. Stark. <laughs> well, why don't we just get, you know who'd be good? I think he's due. He's controversial. People maybe not not a big fan of him, but I think putting him on the soundtrack would uh, make everybody's ears perk up as Kanye West, who was her collaborator. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, that's like no, Con- no. But, no, but he's, he's great like production-wise. Like, he really probably could bring an interesting sound to the film. <laughs> Jeremy says no. <laughs> yeah, Jeremy's not on. Not, not for ethical or moral reasons. Did you hear what he <laughs> did? I, you? Honestly, yeah. I would love to see what Kanye did with a soundtrack. I know. That's all I'm saying. Uh, like, as a I don't musician, know. I'd be just afraid that it'd be like, it'd just be repeating his name over and over again. <laughs> Kanye. Oh. Kanye. Or something where it's just like, this is going to be all finish. about me, folks. I'm going to let you finish. I'm going to let you finish. You're um, the sixth element. Yeah, That's if if you need to hear what Kanye does to music, yeah. go listen to four or five seconds. That's the song title. Okay. And hear what he did to Paul McCartney. Oh. I'm not so precious about the Beatles or Paul McCartney. But if it was still Kiss, I'd be this upset. yeah. <laughs> he he would screw <laughs> up Kiss. Kiss. Oh, don't do it, Kanye. Stay away from rock and roll all night, please. Well, uh Kanye the you know, I, I don't know. Do we have do, what's our vote? We, we we have to outvote Jeremy on this one. It, Je- Justin and I are on board for Kanye. So Jeff, I'm still with Katy Perry. <laughs> well, then it's a collaboration. It's there decided. We go. Yeah. 
There so it is. Somehow we decided upon Like Xanadu. Katie gets one half, Kanye gets the other, just like Olivia Newton John and ELO. Anybody? And didn't that turn out well? <laughs> oh. Hey, the soundtrack was good. <laughs> was it? Uh, <laughs> uh, we're getting into some dangerous territory here. Okay. <laughs> anyway. Very different tastes. There we go. So with that, I think that's our film. I think I think we can't say any more without. That's yeah. all we can say about this Unless, movie. Do we want to envision a poster? In my pitch, Two the baby glows gold. That's true. <laughs> one with purple hair and one with yellow, orange. Yeah. Yeah. Just just the Mila split down the middle and one half. Right. Ooh yeah. Ooh, and the eyes. Yeah. The you had the eyes. eyeballs yeah. being different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. kind of cool. That'd be pretty awesome. And I think what it should be, though, is it's not like a Photoshop, like cut. It's literally done with makeup. Like you just, there's yeah. just a line that goes down her head that splits her. Just as like a kind of an artistic modeling type image. So it's not just like, oh, we just put these two halves of her face together. It's like, <laughs> we just cut it down. In the we Photoshop literally created two different faces on her. I don't mm. know. Be interesting. I like that. I like that because then going with the movie with the cars and the, everything that all wasn't CGI. Yeah, it all wasn't done with computers. Yeah. Like, Although it'd be hilarious shit. if they shot the film that way where they shoot her from one side and then she flips or they change the angle on the camera. Oh. But she, you could see that she has the other hair on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> That's something you would expect in Kanye, the musical. <laughs> there it is. Oh. Okay. You've reached the end of this adventure, but there's so many more shows that you have not ventured out to see yet, or have you? So check back the archives, listen in, stay tuned for the next episode. Go ahead and check us out on Twitter at SQPod. Make sure you're visiting the website, sequelquestpod.com. We we can go there and check out the episode schedule and other uh, additional items just to get familiar with with the Sequel Quest universe. And also, make sure you go over to iTunes. If you're listening to us on iTunes, go ahead and leave us a five-star rating. Put a put a review in there. Just tell us what you like, what you don't like. You know, we've been getting reviews from around the web, and we say, you know, who cares? But no, we don't say who cares. It actually does matter. Helps us improve the show. So go ahead, just let us know your thoughts. Throw it on out there, and uh, and who knows? We may read your review on the next show. So until next time, stay green. How green? Super green. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Sequel Quest and invite you to join us next week for another discussion about a film that never was. Share your ideas with the Sequel Quest universe by visiting SequelQuestPod.com, following us on Twitter at SQPod, on Facebook by searching Sequel Quest, or sending an email to SequelQuestPod at gmail.com. Let the world know how much you enjoy the show by leaving a review and five-star rating on iTunes. ITunes. All films and characters discussed on Sequel Quest are the property of their respective studios and license holders. No copyright infringement is intended. 